Good morning, family. Grace and joy to you, to the audiovisual team. Thank you guys so much for all that you do, to all the elders. When we come to our text on today, we return to an important conversation that Mary was having with her cousin, Elizabeth. Elizabeth had just prophesied and told Mary about the wonderful news that Mary was receiving a baby. And this baby was going to be the savior of the world. Now, when we were last here, we talked about the spirit of God was the one who had revealed this miracle to Elizabeth because she was not there when the angel Gabriel had visited her cousin Mary. But also Elizabeth too was having a miracle baby. And she had just experienced the work of God in her own personal life. And now these two women today are standing together in this text about to do something that neither one of them had ever expected to do. What a powerful story, RCC. What a powerful way to hear about the work of God and to experience him in a supernatural way. I'm glad today that God still does the supernatural. I'm glad today that God still specializes and working with people, in people, and for people. He's a great big God. Can I get an amen? And he's a great big God who has called and chosen these two sisters in our text on today. And so today what we want to do is we want to look at three amazing things in Mary's conversation with her cousin Elizabeth. Number one, let's look at Mary's interpretation. Number two, let's look at Mary's introspection. And number three, I will land the plane looking at Mary's inspiration. Let's unpack the text as we go. In verse 46, the Bible says that Mary responds to Elizabeth's statement by saying, Mary said, my soul does magnify the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Beloved, when we arrive at this portion of the story, Mary is about to give Elizabeth a response to her statement about the miracle that has occurred in Mary's life. So when Mary speaks, she gives what I call is an interpretation of what she thinks has just happened to her. Mary said, because of what God has done for her and in her, she magnifies the Lord and she rejoices down on the inside. According to Mary, she says, my soul does magnify the Lord. This is an interesting word because in the Greek language, the word soul is defined as a person's breath the breath of life, God breathed into man and he became a living soul, right? In other words, because of what God has done for Mary, she wants to do something with what God has given her. Secondly, she says in the verse that not only does my soul magnify the Lord, but my spirit 
has rejoiced in God my Savior. Now here in this statement, she's describing what it looks like and what it feels like to celebrate with words what God has done for her. In other words, the word rejoiced in the Greek language here literally means to jump for joy. You see the old man, every Sunday when I preach, I give you a little leap because I can't jump no higher than that. But, but here's what I learned in the passage. When God does in your life what he's just done for Mary in her life, you too will celebrate and testify for the joy of what God is doing. Why? Why, Pastor? Because nobody can do what God can do for you. Can I get a witness? Mary interprets the miracle in her own way, beloved. She has the living God down on the inside, and he's moving in her spirit and in her soul. And what a beautiful thing to have the living Lord working in you for his honor and his glory. Mary in this text is expressing her enjoyment for what God has done to her. It's not enough to just think about it. According to Mary, she needs to express him. Just how she feels. Parenthetically, as a witness to Mary's testimony, I believe that every believer should have Mary's interpretation about the things that God has done. You know what I notice about those Raider fans? I know they haven't won a game yet, but you know what I notice about them? Nobody has to tell them to be excited. They wait all week for the game to come, and guess what? They dress up, they wear costumes, they pay their best money, they buy the best seats, and then they stand all day in the end zone, shouting even when the play goes bad. They have the joy of the celebration of their team. Oh, I wish the church would come dressed up like that some Sundays. I wish we would come with that enthusiasm and that excitement over what God has done for us. Because by the way, beloved, he has saved us from sin. He has written our name in the Lamb's book of life. He has defeated death, hell, and the grave. And if anybody in the world has a reason to shout and tell somebody about it, it's the church of Jesus Christ. Can I get a witness right there? We've looked at Mary's interpretation. Let's look now at Mary's introspection. The Bible says in these next four, five verses, some powerful things. Mary says, the reason why I can do this is because God has regarded the low state of his maidservant. Verse 48. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he is mighty. He's done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones, and he has exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich, she says, he is sent away. RCC, when we arrive at this portion of the text, Mary does something powerful to me. She looks introspectively at what God has done. And then she names in detail what it looks like. She said, God has looked on her with favor. See, he could have chose any other young girl from the village but he chose her. 
He could have chose another sister from another tribe, but he chose her. He could have chose any other sister from another generation, but he chose her. So Mary here, she gets it right. She knew that the Lord had looked upon her with favor and gave her the greatest gift of all time. Then Mary says, God has looked upon my low estate. That word is interesting. In the Greek language, it's called toponosis, and it means to look upon the one who's lower than anyone else. She's saying God has had favor and that he looked on her lowness and exalted her in all the earth. Secondly, she says here that the one who is mighty has done great things and holy is his name. You see, the, this declaration is in recognition of the power of God and the exclusiveness of his person. And only God could perform an amazing work like this. Thirdly, Mary recognizes that his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. She's saying God has mercy on those who reverence him, who see him in all of his holiness and worship him in that magnitude. I like that word because the definition of mercy is that which says God has stayed his wrath, and he does not give man what man really deserves. What you and I are experiencing today is the mercy of God, because what humanity really deserves is the wrath of God, but mercy is given to us every day. I heard the psalmist say, his mercies are brand new every morning. Mercy, well, what is it, Pastor? It's that which prevents misery. Another man de defined mercy as this. He says, Wilson, mercy is that which God gives man because grace has pleaded his case before the great heavenly throne. Wow, that's powerful. And Mary, when she thought about her own life and looked introspectively, she knew she didn't deserve this honor. She knew she didn't deserve the favor, deserve the grace. And it was nothing but the mercy of God that would select her to become the mother of the Savior of the world. And fourthly in the text, she says, while mercy was keeping her, she learned that his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. This same mercy, beloved. It's what kept your parents and my parents. It's what keeps those who are rebelling against God. It's his mercy that keeps breath in the one who denies there is a God. It's mercy that God keeps extending to humanity living in rebellion against him. Mary recognizes God's mercy. It was God's mercy that kept her, watched over her, and was protecting her. Here's what I learned from reading this this passage, according to her introspection, Mary had a story to tell because nobody could do for her what God had done for her. So our sermon text today is about Mary's testimony. See, Mary had come to know how God brought down the people who looked down on her and who had thought more highly of themselves. She noticed that God didn't use those who were high and mighty in the earth, but God chose to use people who were humble, who were lowly. And he knew, or rather they knew, who they were before God. 
Mary said, God is the one who exalted her. And God has lifted her up. Wow. What a testimony. What a way to look introspectively. Reminds me of a little story I read this week. There was a little boy who was excited about going home to see his dad, and he couldn't wait to, to get home to experience hanging out with dad one more time. He bust through the front door, and he said, Dad, Dad, I got a great idea. Let's you and me go out and play darts. I'll throw the darts, and you say, wonderful, son, wonderful. Did you catch it? The boy was anticipating dad giving him praise for his mere activity of spending time with him. Well, this text doesn't necessarily lend itself to that, but just the opposite. Mary recognizes that God is the one who deserves the praise for what he has done in her life. Wrote myself a note, everybody needs a little praise every now and then. But God deserves all the praise for what God has done in your life and in my life. We've looked at Mary's interpretation and Mary's introspection. Let's look now at Mary's inspiration. The Bible says in verse 54 and 55, these powerful words. Mary says, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his seed forever. And Mary, she remained with her about three months and returned to her house. Thank you for listening this morning. RCC, I know this seems short, but you'll be glad for short sermons every now and then. Amen. As we close listening to Mary's testimony, she again is talking to her cousin Elizabeth. Mary got inspired about how God has chosen to do what he is doing in the earth. She said, God has helped his servant Israel in that he remembered him. In his mercy. She said, God, yes, had mercy on Israel and had exalted her above all the other nations. In other words, Israel was exalted because God chose to redeem mankind through their lineage. It wasn't that Israel was better than any other group of people. They were just chosen by God like Mary to be used as vessels in the earth to bring in the salvation for mankind. Wow. Mary was right. God had mercy and he had brought Israel a mighty long way. And he was the one who kept them from utter destruction. It was mercy that kept Israel when other nations turned on them or turned their backs on them. And I thank God today for Mary's testimony. I thank God today that I too have benefited from the mercies of God. See, my testimony is just like Mary's. I didn't deserve for the Lord to visit me. I didn't deserve for God to reveal himself to me. I did not deserve for the Lord to come and dwell in my heart. But I'm so glad that he did. Secondly, Mary said in this passage, 
that he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his seed forever. Did you catch that? I've learned right here that sometimes it helps you and I to just remember how God has spoken to your ancestors. Have you ever thought about that? That the same God that spoke to you has spoken also to your forefathers and parents? And how he has done, what he has done, is the reason why we ought to give him praise and be inspired to worship him. Sometimes it helps just to go back down memory lane and remember the promises he made to our parents. Both my parents are with the Lord now. My queen and both her parents are with the Lord now. We're both what I call orphans on earth, but we're not orphans with no hope because God spoke to our parents. He has relationship with our parents. They passed that down to us, and we passed it down to our kids. And I understand what Mary is saying here about how excited she is about what God spoke to Abraham and the other parents because now he has spoken to her. Wow. I like this, that when the time was right, God revealed himself to her. Then finally, the text closes by saying, Mary remained with Elizabeth for about three months, and then she returned to her house. Now, if you're like me, you probably read this passage a bunch of times and maybe just blown right through this, this note. But let me tell you what happened to me this week as I was marinating on this text. This is powerful because Elizabeth, at the writing of this text, is around six months in her pregnancy when Mary shows up to visit her. Scholars believe that Mary would have come and dwelt with them right at that time that Jesus is planted in her, and Jesus and John the Baptist were about six months apart in birth. So when she shows up, Elizabeth is in her sixth month. And then the text says, Luke wants you and I to know, that Mary stays with her another three months. Well, if you're a good reader, like I am studying this text, you'll know that, whoa, that puts her right about the time of John's delivery. So Mary walks with Elizabeth through her pregnancy, and Elizabeth is sitting with Mary through her pregnancy. Isn't that powerful? Why do you have the son of the Most High God and the forerunner, John the Baptist, dwelling together in Elizabeth's home, doing life together? Here it is. This was an inspiration for her because they were both having miracle babies. They were both having life-changing children. They were both having sons who would change the world. That's a mighty big thing, beloved. It's a mighty big thing to be a partaking with God in changing history, RCC. It's a mighty big thing to give your all for the service of the king. Listen, every day that you get to be a member in RCC, don't think that's a light thing. That's a major thing in the kingdom of God, that God would invite you to be a member in his body and to sojourn and to do life with others in the congregation. That's a big thing. 
to live together on the same page, doing life together with God as a local body of baptized believers. That's no light thing. Listen, the greatest honor in the earth is not in the White House. It's not running the nations. It's not sitting in some high council. It's being a member in the body of Christ. Oh, and amen goes right there. Every day Mary was inspired now because she's walking amongst her cousins and they're doing life together with God down on the inside. I believe sometimes as Christians we need to just stop and take inventory. Just like Mary, we need to stop and look at just how faithful God has been. We need to stop because we can easily start to complain about what we don't have. What doesn't this or what doesn't that? Why is the world going this way? Why is the world going that way? And stop and remember what God is doing. He's still on the throne. Can I get an amen? He's still at work no matter how bad things look. He's still the God of heaven and earth, and we can trust him. That great preacher of yesteryear, Dr. F.E. Marshall, said this. He said, Wilson, when the Christian looks back over their lives, they should be able to see how the Lord has delivered them. He said, when the Christian looks back over their lives, they should be able to see the way God has led them on their journey to the promised land. The Christian, when they look back over their lives, should be able to see how God has bestowed his most precious blessings upon them. And I believe that F.E. Marshall was correct. I believe that we, like Mary, when we have experienced God, ought to pause. And in the discipline of reflection, give God some praise. Well, I'm closing now. But today I'm inspired. And I'm inspired because of what Jesus did for me at Calvary. I'm inspired today because he died for me. He took my penalty and transgressions for my sin. I'm inspired today like Mary because God loved me enough, beloved, to save little bitty old me. He went into the grave, took the sting out of death, and rose victoriously from the tomb. And early Sunday morning, God the Father brought him back to life. And now he sits at the right hand throne of God, making intercession for little bitty old me. This little poor black kid from South Central Los Angeles grew up in nobody's neighborhood. I didn't tell you, my dad was murdered when I was four. My mom had the horrible privilege of trying to raise three sons in an inner city project all by herself, why would God look on my low estate? Some kid who was going to grow up to be a statistic, but God kept his eyes on me. He's a great big God, and he stoops down to do great big things. I'm so glad he didn't forget about me. He saw me, and he called me, and he loved me just like Mary. I'm closing now, and I stumbled across this last story. I'll let you go. Story is about a medical missionary who was actually leaving for the foreign mission field. And the famous great preacher Andrew Bonar of Scotland goes to visit his friend at the pier to say goodbye. He gets there, and the medical missionary's sister is with him about to board the ship. 
And Dr. Bono, I had not met her, and he introduced himself. He says, my dear, I'm so sorry. I've never met you before, but I'm so happy to meet your acquaintance. Are you traveling with your brother to the mission field? The young lady said, yes, I am. He said, may I ask your name? She says, my name is Christine. He said, how beautiful. You have Christ in your name. You must know him. Just then the horn of the ship blew and they begin to rush toward the ramp to get on. And the young lady, after hearing that question and statement from Dr. Bonar, was disturbed for weeks on end. And she was disturbed because she had been in church all of her life. She had been around the gospel all of her life. She had heard the proclamation all of her life, but she had never made a personal decision for Christ to follow him, yet she was on her way to serve people in the mission field. She said the words of that great preacher kept ringing in her ear until finally she fell down on the ship and cried out to God and asked him to come into her life and to save her. And it was there that the kingdom of God came alive in her heart and she trusted Jesus Christ for salvation. Well, thank you for listening and those of you who are online watching as well. But I just wonder if some of you are like Miss Christine today. You've been in church all your life. You've heard the gospel. You've seen it preached. You've been in church. Perhaps you've even helped people on the mission field. But my question is, have you ever invited Christ into your life to be your personal Lord and Savior? Have you made Christ the Lord of your life? If not, I'd like to invite you to do that today, to become a faithful follower of Jesus Christ through your own personal confession to ask him inside. I've learned that being a member of the local church doesn't save you. Being a personal, intimate disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ is what saves you. And all God's people said, would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Our Father and our God, we thank you for Mary's testimony. We thank you, too, that as we journey like Mary, those of us who have invited you in our hearts, we, too, have the same testimony. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for how you spoke through her and revealed yourself to her. And she was so clearly able to articulate what that meant for her life. I pray now for the one who is here, the one perhaps watching online who does not know you. Maybe they've been around your word. Maybe they've participated. They've seen many services. But they have not personally made that decision to invite you into their lives, to get their own testimony. I pray today, Lord, that if they are here, they would feel the prompting of your spirit like Miss Christine to invite you in. We thank you for this time. Bless those who are here and who have experienced you and have invited you inside. May we be like Mary and may we have the joy to testify to a dying world about who you are and what you've come to do for mankind. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.